Hello and welcome to the Natural History Podcast. Episode 1.1, The Moon. Now the Earth is old, truly old. So old it's hard to grasp the numbers. Now you may call your grandparents ancient, but they are just a blip in time. The Earth, however, is 4.6 billion years old. And that sounds big, and it is big, but it doesn't really have much meaning. Even written down as 46000000000 still doesn't really mean much, at least to myself. But then write it down in terms of generations and time takes on a more manageable scale. If I had a grandfather who fought at the Battle of Hastings in 1066, that was 40 generations ago. If I had an ancestor that was constructing Stonehenge, well, that was only 180 generations ago. But if humans had been around for 4.6 billion years, then we would have had 18.4 million generations. Fortunately, humans were not around 4.6 billion years ago. For the Earth back then was rather inhospitable. It was a big ball of molten rock. To stand on a surface would have been pretty miserable. In fact, you would have just burst into flames. If you had somehow not burst into flames immediately, then you would have began to suffocate on the toxic air. For no oxygen was around. Then you probably would have sank through the veneer of cooled lava into the molten planet and melted anyway. But this was Earth in its infancy. And it did cool down fairly quickly into a nice habitable rocky planet. However, it didn't take long to make that last sentence redundant as a planet the size of Mars is about to collide with it. That planet was called Thea. And the impact was so immense it melted the surface of the Earth. The debris from the impact, which would have been basically molten rock, was spewn up as far as space. The molten material that didn't make it that far would have then rained back down on Earth. A literal rain of fire. Another reason it was good for humanity not to be around back then. Now this may sound catastrophic, but the Earth didn't come off too badly, all things taken into consideration. Thea, however, looked like a bee that was flying towards a speeding train. It went splat. Parts of Thea were actually incorporated into the Earth, amalgamated during the impact. So, we now actually sit on two planets, the Earth and Thea. What was left of Thea, though, was thrown up into orbit in a molten state. That then just hung around orbiting the Earth, much like Saturn's rings. The debris then began to collect together into one big ball, like how other planets were made in our solar system. And this same process is how our moon was made. And because of this, our moon actually has a bit of a weight problem. It is far too big for the size of planet it is connected to. All of the other moons in the solar system are far smaller compared to their host planet. Yet our moon was created from the collision with Thea. And for that reason, it is proportionally the largest moon in the solar system. It is an overweight anomaly. Now, you may be thinking, how on earth do we know this? This yarn has been spun a bit too far. And on earth, we didn't know. It took a trip to the moon to find out the origins of it. Rock samples were brought back by the Apollo missions. 
and science had in their hands the greatest opportunity to understand the Earth and its origins. These rocks were literally from out of this world. So they were very carefully cut up and ground down and subject to hundreds of tests. The results were truly, truly benign. The greatest ever rock specimens ever collected and they were identical to those you could find in your back garden. Now, this may look like an anticlimax, but if we delve down to the atomic level, we do find some nuggets of interest. And the answer lies in oxygen. But first, we must take a look at atoms. An atom is made up of protons and neutrons. And depending on where in the universe the oxygen atom was created will depend upon how many neutrons the oxygen atom will contain. So, if the oxygen atom was created close to the sun, it will have less neutrons. If it was created far out into space by Pluto, then it will have more neutrons. The neutrons in the oxygen atoms that were contained in the lunar rocks were identical to those found on Earth, meaning the Earth and the Moon had to be created in the same part of space. But there is more. The lunar samples were missing something called volatile elements. Now, volatile elements are elements that have a low boiling point, and Earth rocks contain these volatile elements. However, the lunar rocks don't, which means the Moon, during its creation, must have been subjected to an intense amount of heat, enough to boil off these volatile elements. These two pieces of evidence go a long way to support the Thea collision hypothesis. But I would be remiss to say there are not other theories out there. However, I'm not going to entertain the one about the lizard people. At least today. On a quick side note, the reason that the moon doesn't rotate like the Earth, and that we always see one side of the moon, is because of something called tidal lock. Tidal lock isn't a medicine for the runs. No, tidal lock in this case is the Earth's gravity being so strong it is bringing the moon to a standstill. So it is not spinning on its axis like the Earth does. Which is why we only see the one side of the moon. But the moon also does have a similar effect on the Earth. Now we know the Earth rotates and that's how we get night and day. So it isn't that strong but the moon's gravity does affect our oceans, which is how we get high and low tides. And that is where we shall be leaving it for today. So next time on the Natural History Podcast, we'll be looking at the Precambrian, a solid Earth, and maybe even the late heavy bombardment. Thank you for listening to the Natural History Podcast. Thank you.